and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord community Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova. And I'm Kikita Kaori. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, what we are going to be doing today is we're going to be looking at the second part of Yogo's Curse, which is the new fiction from Josiah Duke Harrist and Katrina Ostrander. But first, we're going to have to look at some news. There's just a little bit of news uh, over over this period. Uh, the FFG forums are closing on January 31st, 2021. So you need to get everything off the forums by then. Now, we're looking to, you know, we, we have the Court Games uh, website at courtgamespod.com open and it has its own forums that people are welcome to use. We'll be working on it to try and improve it over the break and, and continue to improve it. It also has an area where you can submit any kind of content for the for the website. So if you have long-term pieces that you are hosting like on um, Google Drive or other places where it's convenient for you and you want to add links to it or add them as uh, areas to share, you can submit that as content on courtgamespod.com for the whole community to share. It's nice that we're getting a warning this time because AEG shut down their L5R forums with absolutely no warning back in the day. Uh, and I'll admit to still being slightly salty about that because I had stuff on there that I would have liked to have kept. But uh, it's 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 kind of a pity, actually, because although people are moving a lot of stuff to like Discord, for example, and in our case and other places like that, it does mean that there isn't really a central place for people to go and have these discussions in a way that can be searched and you know referred back to, which is kind of a shame. But uh, maybe courtgamespod.com can become that for people if that. There's also uh, different clan community forums that are still out there. Not so many as there used to be, but uh, homeofthecrane.com, uh, which is the crane website, has been going for nigh onto, I don't know, it was up in 20, in 1996 or so when I started. So it, under various, you know, ownerships and various uh you know they've reformatted the sites and ho- you know different people are hosting it and that sort of thing over the years but it's kind of been a continuous specific presence since then so that's still open it hasn't been used for a while as people are moving to facebook and uh, discord but we'll be ramping that up too right that's a goal <laughs> For all things Crane, anyway. <laughs> I think this is actually a problem that is going to cause future internet archaeologists a lot of problem because a lot of these conversations are going to be real-time and on Discord and all that kind of stuff and will get lost, which I think is a great shame. But never mind. That anyway. Things are going. <laughs> yeah, that's the way things are going. So, so rest your stuff and uh, yeah, we'll try and have – a better focus for Court Games Pod to to share that with the community as well. Um, also, the Careful Gardener came out, which is another fiction, but we will talk about that next episode. Meanwhile, we're talking about the Yoga's Curse 
part two by Josiah Duke Harris and Katrina Ostrander. We pick up where Yogo's Curse part one left off, where Yogo Junzo is trying to figure out who Lady Atsuko is, deciding that she's an enemy and probably a Mahotsukai, possibly literally a blood speaker. He plans to trap her in his audience hall and question her. Meanwhile, the hapless Yogo Jiro delivers Atsuko to the keep, then meets his betrothed outside. That's Yogo Kasume. Kasume reveals that she knows that Jiro sent his best friend Hideo to die in his place on his wedding day to Kasume, which is how he managed to get into a relationship with her in the first place. Atsuko reveals that she is not, in fact, a Mahotsukai. She's, in fact, a horrible centipede demon. Uh, violence erupts. And unfortunately, at that very moment, the wards on the cursed Imperial sword Kunshu rebel, which weakens everything so much that a coordinated attack from the outside by Shadowlands forces on the Castle of Learning begins in earnest. So Yogo Junzo, Kasume, Seppo Maseo, and a lot of other people are killed fighting Atsuko. Jiro flees, and he's just trying to save his own skin and save his own reputation. He's taking the letters that Kasume found that reveals that he betrayed his friend, which means that when people who are grabbing artifacts out of the castle learning and getting them out of there, they think, oh, he's got important documents. He must be one of the people who's taking important things out of the castle. Here, you take this stuff as well including this uh, slightly ominous-looking scroll that's all in a black scroll case and possibly has some dramatic music playing at all times when it's on screen. (laughs) Here, you take that, get on this horse, you head to the capital. And uh, so he does. So not entirely sure what happens at the castle, but it's not good. But unfortunately, when he stops for a rest, the ghosts of Hideo and Kasame are waiting for him. (laughs) So, um... Yes, poor Jiro. Uh, mm, well, most... <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> a lot of this is him. his own fault. It's his own fault. <laughs> but everyone calls yeah. him poor Jiro, including the ghosts at the end. <laughs> That's true. Poor Jiro. <laughs> so not there are... Not the best day, no. <laughs> no, not, no, not the best day for Rogugan. Um there are some lore nuggets in there. There isn't as many as the previous fiction, though, which was just ridiculously packed. Mm. But let's see. Various things we find. We find a cool secret chest that uh, yep. uh, Yogo Junzo is looking in for his his secret notes. And it's got locks and panels and secret poison needles and enchantments of preservation. So if you ever feel like you need to pull out your Dungeons and Dragons, you know, lockpick challenge, poison chest thing, uh, it's here. You you can have it. It's okay. There's no rules against it. That's true. Uh, we have mention of Fukuroku Jin, who is the keeper of knowledge and is a one of the great fortunes. So Yogo Junzo gives a, a quick prayer of, of help. <laughs> Please help me. Please help me find what I need. Indeed, yeah. It didn't help. Yeah, it didn't work, unfortunately. No, he didn't need knowledge. Uh, let's see. The 
it, it mentions the mask of Ichiban. And so we've seen this before. So the mask of Ichiban, uh, there were four masks that secured the tomb of Ichiban. Ichiban being the leader of the blood speakers who almost took over Rokugan by raising an army of the dead. Okay, like huge big bad from Rokugani history. Uh, he was sealed in a tomb, and the seals of the tomb were put behind four masks. And if the four masks are put together on the tomb, theoretically, Ichiban could be released. That's kind of the gist of that story, right? Yeah. I always wonder, I always wonder why they build these super prisons for these horribly evil beasties that they never, ever, ever want to get out again. And then they make a way of getting them out. That seems suboptimal. Right. Um, so in the story, we see Yoko Junzo's thoughts. Um, his father, uh, he thinks that maybe there is a mask of Ichiban that was rumored to be in Shinoma Forest's shadowed swamps. And his father believed that there was a path to Jikoku there too. Well, we read a lot more about that in the crab novella, Trail of Shadows. So we do find out, you know, spoilers involved. You know, there, there is in fact a mask of Ichiban in, in there. Um, so, you know, why didn't the silly scorpion bother to tell the crab about that being as the Shinoma forest is right in there? Because they're the clan of secrets, not the clan of telling people things. <laughs> that that literally does seem to be why. Uh, they also possibly don't have a very good opinion of the Kuni Witch Hunters or the Asako Inquisitors, which is yet another problem that I think is – yeah, this this is the, the error of interesting things happening, not the error of everyone's doing the right thing and nothing's going <laughs> wrong. So this is where a lot of the clans kind of their their downsides and their blind spots are coming back to bite them all at once. So that's kind of why, you know. So this is this is the scorpion thing of we should keep these secrets and the yoga thing of you have to keep everything tight, tightly constrained and compartmentalized because you never know who will betray you. Because we have a curse that will make us betray you when we don't want to. And so uh, there are times when the, things will go wrong because somebody should have been told something. But there was kept hidden because of that kind of that kind of way of thinking. So, yeah, that's why. That's what it comes down to. Makes sense, I guess. But it, it messes them up big time here. Uh, Junzo thinks that Atsuka might be one of uh, Ichiban's cult of blood speakers. And so he, he gets this feeling like maybe he uh, Atsuko thought he would let his guard, guard down and fall prey to the same lure of hidden knowledge that his father fell to. His father fell to the prey to the lure of hidden knowledge. And he thinks maybe Atsuko would, uh, was coming because he thought, she thought he would, she would tempt him with the lure of hidden knowledge. But of course, what does he do? He lets her into the castle in order to trap her so he could question her instead of shooting her with about 10,000 arrows yeah. from the door because he could totally do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair, 
he didn't know he he thought she was just a mahutsukai as opposed to a horrible demon he was not expecting a horrible demon but even so no you're quite right he's kind of mahaha i will not fall same to the, the pray to the same temptation but he in fact is doing exactly that yeah yeah it's so true if he didn't want to know what she had to say he could have abducted her outside or had her killed for passing the blocks on the trade routes or anything else but nah gotta ask that questions yeah he could just yeah there's a whole bunch of things i mean i i suspect there's a certain amount of the the audience room is from the sounds of things one of the best guarded places in the palace <laughs> it, it it so he probably thought no no everything's fine and he may have actually have been correct if he didn't have a horribly cursed hante sword mucking things up mm-hmm. and weakening all the boundaries because essentially i mean i'm this is like a lot of the 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 power in the castle of the of the castle of learning is now taken up with defending against kunshu as opposed to scorpion demons who uh, sorry centipede demons who might have just strolled in so yeah but yeah he, he yeah you you he was still completely overconfident but oh well never mind we uh atsuko herself atsuko is a genuine name which is nice there are a few possible translations of it it's very difficult to say this japanese name means this because very often there are about 50 different possible kanji that you can add to that name so but it could be like hot lady maybe which would be kind of funny uh honest slash sincere lady both of which are kind of hilarious mm-hmm. i love the puns so japanese is so good for pun puns so it really is yeah that's that amused me the the idea that her her name means honest or honest lady Ah, let's see. We have a storytelling monk who is teaching a string of children. Uh, so this is this is a very classic kind of image. Uh, it is a means of education of hymen in religion and culture. So children are educated in not just in their craft, you know, farming or whatever by their parents, but they are they are educated in the religion. They are educated in culture, and it is the monks who do a lot of this. And this idea that you would have, you know, in the morning, all the village children get up and go follow the monk around town to go find a nice, cool tree to sit under, or you know, play outside while the monk tells stories or or um, teaches is kind of how education for non-samurai would happen. Mm. Um, yep. So, uh, very typically, you know. So, the monk it's, tells the story of a child-eating demon who had been taught empathy as a trick by Shinsei, the little teacher, and then reformed and become became one of Shinsei's protectors. Uh, so he's, you know, the children are le- learning moral lessons and they're learning about Shinseiism and Shinsei and also learning about Oni and that they exist all in this. Yeah. 
one one story. Yeah. The fact that Atsuko doesn't like it is very funny because, you know, <laughs> of course, it's like she's a very unreformed demon, so she's not really interested in hearing about Shinsei and reforming demons. <laughs> no, no. Uh, a, a very common thing, if you're going to introduce something like that in your own games, a very common thing for the educating priest to use or a monk is to use uh, picture scrolls. And so they would, they would like show the kids pictures of whatever it is they're teaching them about, which can be a fun little visual. Uh, meanwhile, we have Jiro's mother sending Kasume Jiro's things in preparation for their wedding, which ends up revealing to Kasume that Jiro had sent his best friend and Kasame's then betrothed uh, to his death. So that means that his mother ended up betraying Jiro by revealing Jiro's betrayal of Hideo to Kasame. <laughs> Yay, yoga. <laughs> yoga curse. Yoga curse. It's all fun, except all the fact that it's not fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> So let's see. Uh, we have Sapu Maseo. Sapu Maseo was the guard that was sent with Kunshu to take it to the Castle of Learning to be studied. And she's been kind of acting as an advisor during these matters for, um, for Yogo Junzo. And she carries a Jade Basento as a mark of her office. Um, which is a heavy uh, saber-like blade on the end of a pole. So uh, she is, as I said, uh, a captain of the Sapoon Hidden Guard. And she is also a Shigenja, and she is fighting with this blade. So this this idea, you know, you can, there are certainly, and 5th edition is extremely, perhaps too, well-built for it, idea of weapon wielding combat shigenja yeah it is definitely a thing and there's plenty of people who have argued that shigenja in fifth edition are stronger melee warriors than bushi and with the way that the elemental weapons work that's not necessarily um Incorrect, and she she mentions that all the Sapoon guards are hit are attuned to the wards in the Imperial Palace, and that's how they they know that they're if they are broken. So you you get attuned to the wards of an area, and then you can know what's happening with them. <laughs> which which we also get with the the Yogo realizing that something has brushed through their wards, but hasn't destroyed them the way an only lord would so they actually immediately get an idea of what's come through the gates and how at least kind of a a range of its power mm -hmm. and so so you're getting that kind of attunement towards with uh, the yoga as well but yeah we also have mentioned of a there's a code phrase that is used which is eastern sunset and in this particular case, it's a phrase to evacuate the castle basement of its all super secret stuff that really shouldn't end up in the hands of the Shadowlands. <laughs> Yogo Junzo, unfortunately, is all, meh, we don't need that. Evacuate now in our moment of triumph. <laughs> uh, which, unfortunately, he is very, very wrong about. 
yeah. but uh, we we see later that people are evacuating stuff, and we not we don't know whether that's someone gave the evacuation order despite Yogo Junzo saying no, or if there is a further continue. Eastern Sunset is let's do let's get things out of the way before things happen, just in case. And there might be another one, which is something is happening. Let's get the stuff out. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting question. We don't know the answer. We just see people running around shoving boxes of potentially deadly scrolls in the hands of random people and telling them <laughs> to get out. <laughs> Let's see. The Castle of Learning is attacked from the northeast, uh, northeast being the unlucky direction mentioned in the previous fic, and from the southwest which is the direction of the Shadowlands. So, like I said last time, I'm kind of curious as to, not... All right, in real life, Japan, northeast is an unlucky direction, per Fuengshe and everything. It's just, it's just the unlucky direction. But there's no reason that we know of that it would be the unlucky direction. Yeah, yes, it's not like, it's, it's not like there's a specific thing. Yeah. Right. However, in Rokugan, there's a really, really strong reason why southwest would be an unlucky direction. So why in Rokugan do you, would you have an unlucky direction to the northeast as well? Like, what is that? So I still th- I find that curious. Well, I mean, I mean I, it, it may be that northeast is just generally unlucky for the same reason that northeast is unlucky for us in, in Japanese feng shui. It's just that also there's a bad place to the southwest. And that's a separate thing. That's not a, that is not a, a general feng shui thing. That's just, that's where the Shadowlands is. So it's, it's, a different ki- ti- ki- it's a different type of unlucky, maybe. <laughs> I figured they had enough unlucky, <laughs> unlucky directions anyway. With, well, yeah. You know, hell breaking through, <laughs> literally in this direction. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, we have mention of conch shells being used for warning horns, which was a thing, very much, because if you've got a conch shell, it's already made a nice trumpet shape for you. Just need to put a mouthpiece on it. Good to go. Saves you a lot of work. So they, they actually were very often used as to sound warnings and alarms and things. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, when uh, Jiro is dismounting and resting his horse on his way to Odosanuchi. Um, he sees, well, he sees crows throughout his journey. Uh, and then at the end, he sees perched on uh, a signpost in the village that he's at another of these big beetles that he saw early in the story. The, the, the symbols of crows and beetles are used a lot through this this story to the point where it's not just flavor. It's definitely a symbolic something in, in the story. It's just it's used where it, it wouldn't it's used too often and where it wouldn't need to be to, to not have been intentional, if that makes sense. Uh, crows are very often a symbol of bringing news um, we've talked about it last time that crows are also the uh, you know symbol of of Shinsei, but more common is is this idea in in Eastern and Western literature is this this idea of crows carrying news, which of course is what Jiro is doing along this thing. He's he's the messenger of misery. He's he's bringing news of what happened. The other thing is and and it 
it's clearly within the context of this story is that beetles are the symbols of evil in this story. We see them popping up all around uh, Atsuko while she's here. Uh, beetles are are often used as kind of a, a beetles and centipedes. Well, it is a centipede oni, so we already have that. That, uh, but are, yeah, are yeah, used yeah. as a, a symbol of of evil in uh, Japan. Here, him showing up here at the end implies that Jiro hasn't left the evil behind him. Uh, in with Atsuko, the beetles have come along with him. There's a beetle here with him, even though Atsuko is back. In the Castle of Learning, which means, which if you, <laughs> if you took that from a story standpoint, that would mean that in some way, Jiro is bringing evil with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of ranges from Atiko is in fact following him. That's one possibility. Because mm-hmm. uh, if he's carrying a black scroll, she might be looking for the black scroll. She might, be she might. Sorry, this might literally be Atiko. It might be the evil that is the Black Scroll, assuming it is a Black Scroll. So mm-hmm. a more general evil. And it could be that Jiro himself is just – he's just such a terrible person because of what he's done that that's what the evil is. So there's a lot of possibility. I guess that's all we have to say about beetles and evil and uh, all our various lore nuggets for this story. It was a good story. I'm really curious as to what's going to happen next. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, we have that flavor text from a relatively recent card about someone riding desperately for the capital, uh, hoping that getting information to the regent will stop horrible evil. But presumably that person doesn't know who the regent is right now because that's changed. Mm-hmm. And that, seem, that, this seem, that seems to be related to what's happening in this fiction. So. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there is the question of, does Jiro really have a black scroll in his saddlebags? Would ha- would somebody hand a black scroll? <laughs> it looked like it. Yeah. Would you really shove a, a black scroll at somebody you don't know? Uh? Well, in, I mean, they, they, yeah, he, they seem to think, oh, you must be the person who's carrying documents. Here you go. There's also, I have to say, a certain amount of, I, which I can understand the kind of anywhere right now is better than here. Given given there are, there are yeah you know, the castle is currently infested with demons, anywhere is better than here. Which I want you, you can argue for and against, but you can see why someone would think that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have to say, given the 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 very significant look at the scroll, mm, <laughs> it would be a bit weird if it wasn't. If you see what yeah. I mean, yeah. Now, I listened to the last province podcast talking about this story, and they seem to think that Jiro died or didn't, like, actually make it past the ghosts. But I thought that that was just a more flavorful showing up of the ghosts that we've already seen haunt Jiro all the way along the journey. The ghost of Hideo has been haunting him for quite some time and hasn't killed him. I don't see that they necessarily have killed. I mean, I don't think he's dead at this point, mm-hmm. at the at the like the literal end of the fiction, and I don't think that they then kill him, right? Myself, but you you, you could read it like that. 
I suspect this is just these two ghosts are now haunting him together because together they can do super haunting because not only are they going, ooh, we are ghosts and you betrayed us. It's And you completely failed because we're together again. Uh-huh. You know, you didn't you didn't end up with Casame, which is what you wanted. So your portrayal was for nothing, which is even more that's even more better a haunting, I think. So I don't I don't think that I don't I, I don't see that I don't see the evidence for it in, in the fiction, is what I'm saying. Uh we ha- we're having this black scroll though, if it shows up in Odasanuchi's without any explanation. I'm kind of like really, really worried. It just ends up on Kikita Yoshi's desk and he like, oh, what's this? And I, I really, what this is. <laughs> I really, really hope that that was one thing I really thought AEG did well with the stories of the Black Scrolls is that they were always opened intentionally. Yes. Right? Yes. Even though there's 12 of them, Every one of them was opened intentionally. It was opened for a reason. We didn't necessarily know in-depth motivations about that reason, but it was for a reason. And I just think that if they make opening the Black Scroll as a accident oopsie, I think I would hate that. That could be bad. I, 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 I just I think I, that would be t- terrible storytelling. So I'm hoping they don't do it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, me too. I, I do wonder what will happen if someone tries to bring a Black Scroll into the Imperial Palace, what with all its wards and all that. That mm-hmm. that would that should set off some alarms. That, that could be entertaining in and of itself. Yeah, I'm fine with it ending up in the wrong person's hands. Um, I am fine with, yeah. like, I just don't want it to be opened up just because somebody mistook it for a regular piece of correspondence or a regular scroll or something. That would just be so anticlimactic. And, you know. It would be. It would be. Yeah. No, I quite agree. I agree with that. So. Uh, and what I really like about this fiction, I have to say, is it's really giving the Yogo curse some proper teeth. Because I, I think, although you, you know, you've always been told – this is a curse where you will betray the one you love the most at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. It was it felt kind of like it got downplayed a lot and didn't really feel that bad. I, I think also the kind of um, the notion that you could lose it early as a kid kind of made it seem a little less threatening. Mm-hmm. Whereas the betrayals we see here are, are really significant and they really hurt. Which I, I think is I think is really really cool, and I, it just gives it like I say, it gives it a real bite to it. I'm not entirely sure how I would want to integrate that into a game if I was a GM and someone wanted to play a Yogo. That seems like it would be kind of tough because in theory you should hit them with something pretty vicious. Well, I think you would definitely want to work with your player to come up. I I I think for something this significant. I, as a GM, would not feel correct to hit them with this curse. I mean, it's just too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the pl- the the player is is kind of stating, "I want this to happen because I'm playing this kind of character." But yeah, you really want to hash it out beforehand. Absolutely. Right, because it it says a lot about them. Now, if they say, "I can't, I don't care, I'll do anything," you know, 
surprise me, that's that's fine. But at least talk with the player so that, you know, figure out, do you want it to be a betrayal where you did something before the game starts and it's over with? Do you want to be an active, uh, you know, or, and it's over with, um, but maybe you're dealing with the consequences of that betrayal you did before the game starts, which is a perfectly legit way to play Yoga Curse. I mean, you betrayed somebody. Uh, that should have consequences. Uh, but it means that you're not, you know, a, a betrayal bomb going off. <laughs> yes, yes. It's not doing a sort of Damocles. But it's still it's still a big thing. I mean, obviously, I mean, honestly, it's like, like a, hand them this fiction if someone wants to play Yogo and go, look at some of these options. Because if you think about it, you go from Yogo Junzo, who his betrayal which, assuming his betrayal of his father is, in fact, his yoga curse betrayal, mm-hmm. painful, but but honestly didn't do him any damage. It, it, you know, everyone would have said, no, you did the right thing, even though he's, he himself is going, this is a betrayal. And it also affects everything he's done since then, because he's not had kids, he's not had a family mm-hmm. because of this betrayal. So that's a way it can affect you. But then you get all the way to Jiro, and he has screwed up his life, the life of his fiance, and and really, really damaged himself, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So uh, yeah. And then you have, like we said, the betrayal of his mom. All right. So with Jiro's betrayal and Yoga Junza's betrayal, it was an intentional betrayal. Yeah. It, yes. One for quote unquote good, one for quote unquote selfish reasons, but they were intentional betrayals. I know I am going to betray them yep, yep. when I do this, and I, d- I did it anyway. If you take the story of Jiro's mother sending Kasume's Jiro's things, that's an accidental betrayal, but it still, you know, destroys Jiro's future relationship and all kinds of other stuff as well. I mean, it's short-lived only because there was an Oni in the palace, but it would have really messed up her son's life and he would have hated her forever. And Well, as, as it stands, she's going to be haunting him forever. So <laughs> it's not maybe not that short-lived. But yes, yes, that, that was an unintentional one, yeah. And, and so that should be something you decide with your players too. Do you want it to be something, a setup where you are intentionally going to be betraying somebody in some way? Is it, do you want to wake up and, you know, find you accidentally betrayed somebody some way? But, but work it through with your players. Don't just say, oops, you accidentally betrayed somebody. Surprise. Yeah. Hmm. And now all of Rocky Gun's on fire and it's your fault. Yeah. So there you go. I think those are some options to think through. Yep. So good discussion. Uh, we did want to make some call outs to some other things that are out there online. I wanted to give a shout out to a, a monster manual for L5R5E uh, that was is by Rufin, who's also known as Harzer Kate. I found this on the FFG forums, though since those are going away, I will be hosting them on my website um, as well. Uh, we will provide a link to the original in the show notes, and we'll also try and be getting it on to the dot website as well as like Winter Garden of the Kikita. Yeah. Um, also, uh, an 
a shout out to a new set of vassal families and minor clans written for L5R5E by Hobgoblin on the FFG forums, which uh, are also going to try and get moved to Court Games Pod, and I'll also try and have a link on my website, too. These are very good, both of them. They have mm. plenty of rules, and they have all kinds of great yokai and the Monster Manual. Uh, many, many vassal families for um, all of the great clans, which uh, some people like their Rokugans very well loaded with vassal families, and uh, yep. this one does it. That's good ones. And the authors of these are frequently updating them, adding more critters and vassal families. So it's it's good stuff to look at. I'd also like to call out to our sister podcasts and our patrons. So we have a uh, we are part of the Court Games Network, includes the Legend of the Five Rings LCG podcast, our Life from Tokyo podcast called Tokyo of the Five Rings, and our two actual play podcasts crimson gold agonies and fortune and strife we would also be remiss if we did not shout out our friends at d20 radio yes there's lots of podcasts on d20 radio for star wars genesis systems and all kinds of other role-playing games i don't yep. play but they do have things <laughs> there for you to look at i can only handle you know my husband's homebrew and uh duchess of dragons and L5R, that's more than enough games. <laughs> D20 Radio has an awful lot of, of games and systems represented, so that you will find something that you're interested <laughs> in there, absolutely. Our podcast is funded by the L5R Community Discord Patreon. Uh, it supports our editing costs as well as our website, uh, which we can use to store, see longer-term information, and hopefully, you know, rescue some of these stuff from the f other forums. Um, we have summaries of our podcasts. Uh, we have our role-playing game tools there, competitions, all kinds of stuff. For our Patreons, uh, we have some special bonus content. We get early access to our AP podcasts. Adventure Seeds, other things as we think of them. But please, if you're listening, you want to be a Patreon and you have good ideas for things that we can offer to our patrons that you would like to see more of, we please tell us so we can see what we can do about that. Online, you can find us at our website, which is courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are twitter.com forward slash courtgamespod. And you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that's it for us this week. I am Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Korva, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy. Especially if you're anywhere near the Castle of Learning. Uh, it might be too late, but yes. <laughs> All right.